0: Welcome to church at home with Riverside Online. If you are new and joining us for the first time, we'd love to connect with you personally. So use our connect with us button on the website. The Restore charity shop sales have moved online via Facebook. For the time being, this is where some well-priced boutique items are available. All the proceeds go to financially helping families in need. Enjoy part two of our new series with a message how to find content. We started a brand new series called a toolbox for tough times So why are we doing this series? Because in case you haven't noticed We all are going through a tough time and so what the series aims to do is every week Give you a tool that if you use it and you use it in faith and you put it into practice That it is going to strengthen your faith and build a resilient faith so that you can come out strong Through this tough time now I don't know if during this time of lockdown if you've ever wondered what you could have should have or would have been doing but because of lockdown you're not doing and I don't know if that's depressed you or if it's just me so I don't know if at one stage for example during the June July school holidays you thought to yourself well I could have should have would have been on the beach right now but because of lockdown I'm at home Or maybe you're saving to do something awesome to your house. Maybe upgrade your kitchen. And I should have, could have, would have been doing that. But because things are tight and because of lockdown, I can't. Now, I know we're in lockdown level two, so we can now hang out with each other. But I don't know if in the earlier levels you thought to yourself, well, it's me and the TV on Friday night again. And if it wasn't for lockdown, I could have, would have, should have been with my friends. Or maybe you're less comparing what's happening now with what could have been. But maybe you're thinking, well, when lockdown ends, then I can do something. Then I can have a bribe with my friends. Then I can go on a holiday. And so often we finish that kind of thinking like this. Then, or if I can do those things, Mm. then I will be happy. Then I will be happy. Now, I understand, you see, lockdown has impacted every single one of us at varying levels, negatively, and so I fully get that. I mean, just to remind you that before I was a pastor, I was a human being, and so I too like nice holidays, I too like nice things, I too like doing the things that I love, and so I too have thought about these things, but let me tell you how this works. You see, the guy... Walking to work is unhappy because he's looking at the guy riding a bicycle to work. And the guy riding the bicycle to work is unhappy because he's looking at the guy with the car. And the guy with the car is looking at the guy with the bigger car. And the guy with the bigger car is looking at the guy with two cars and the the third car and the holiday home. And the point of all of this is. That whatever situation we're in, there's always someone on the left of us. There's always someone on the right of us. And you're unhappy, but they're also unhappy, and they're also unhappy. Now, I I don't care where you are in your life right now, and I fully understand that for some of you, life is such a struggle. But let me tell you, there is someone out there who is desperately unhappy, and they are believing that if they had your life, yes, yes, your life including all of your problems they believe that they would be happier but you're looking at someone else believing that if you had their life you too would be happier and so this means that at the end of the day every single one of us is unhappy i was listening to a podcast of uh, psychologists um dr henry cloud just a couple of years ago and he was saying that When something happens externally in our life, we get a new car, we get a new job, something cool happens, they've actually measured the brain and all that happens is if this is a kind of level of happiness, we get about a 10% bump. 10% bump that happens for a short time and then we go back to whatever our baseline of normal is which means if you are unhappy and you believe the new car is going to make you happy you get a 10% little bump and then you go back to the same level of unhappiness even though you've got the new car which means that these things that we're hoping are going to change our life and change our levels of happiness do not actually transform what's going on inside of us. But today we want to give you a tool that will transform what's going inside of you that regardless of what's going on in your life and even if the shoulda coulda woulda doesn't happen and even if the tough circumstances don't change for a while you can today start walking into higher levels of contentment and higher levels of happiness so if you've got your bibles with me please turn with me and even if you're at home right now turn in your bibles to philippians chapter 4 verse 10 Now, just to let you know, some of these verses are going to sound quite familiar, especially if you've been in church for a while. And so I want to provide a bit of context. Paul, who is writing these letters, he is in prison. And if you were there in the hall with me right now, I'd say, say with me the two words, in prison. Paul is in prison prison which means that unless you're watching from prison right now chances are your life is looking pretty good compared to what Paul is going through and yet he writes such compelling words concerning our happiness and our contentment so he writes to this church the church in Philippi and he says these words in verse 10 he says I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me indeed you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it now just quickly what's going on here is when paul started his missionary journeys this church was supporting him financially meeting some of his many needs in order to empower him to do this ministry but their support kind of waned off By this stage, Paul has been in a Roman prison for a couple of years and they renew their concern for him and and they have this opportunity to start supporting him again. You see, you've got to understand that Roman prisons were not are not like our prisons, and I know our prisons are not like happy days, but uh, Roman prisons did not have breakfast, lunch, and supper, Roman prisons did not have counseling, and a library, and hospital care, and so Paul needed to rely on other people, in many ways he relied on churches, and Christians to look after him, and literally meet his needs, like even, like food, and care, and so this Philippian church, they, they start caring for him again. They send this leader. His name is Epaphroditus. He's got a financial gift for Paul. So that's what he's talking about here. Then he gets to verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. And I'm like, well, you're in prison. Of course you're in need. But he clarifies that. He says, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Now, isn't that extremely challenging? Just think about your circumstances right now. And think about the things that are making you feel discontent. Are you able to say, even fully acknowledging some of the difficulty and some of the pain you're going through and some of the things that you're hoping for that aren't happening? Are you able to say, I have learned to be content in my circumstance? I've learned to be content. In my marriage. Or I've learned to be content in my singleness. I've learned to be content with kids. I've learned to be content without kids. I've learned to be content with my job. Or I've learned to be content without a job. Let's read on. Verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. He's not at a palace in a hotel. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether I'm eating steak and turning tender, or whether uh, I'm hungry and whether I don't know where my next meal is coming from, or whether living in plenty, whether I am going on a holiday, whether I do have a nice healthy savings account, or whether I am in wants, whether there's too much month at the end of my money and I'm struggling and I don't know what I'm going to do. And Paul says, for all of this, I have learned the secrets. And the secret is, for him, and the secret for us, is to learn contentment. This is something we need to figure out. This is something that doesn't come naturally. This is something we have to embrace, is how do we learn in our current circumstances, even our difficult circumstances, how do we learn contentment? And so Paul, I think, preempts some of our questions. He's thinking, well, maybe you think I'm crazy, because maybe you know that life in prison is is not easy going. Maybe you know that life in prison is hard. Maybe you know that I'm hungry. Maybe you know that I get beaten. Maybe you know that I'm lonely. And now you're hearing me talk about contentment. That sounds crazy. And so Paul says, well, I can do this. I've learned contentment for one reason, and for one reason only. And he qualifies that in verse 13, where he says, I can do everything. I can do this. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Pause. Sidebar. You see, I can't help myself. You see, this is one of our most powerful popular verses of our time and for good reason if we take this verse and we cut it out of context and we stick it on a meme and we stick it on our whatsapp photo and we share it with everybody and we learn it off our heart and we quote it in all of our circumstances i can do all things through christ who gives me strength usually the way this verse is applied at sort of a popular level is you know. Follow your dream. Figure out what you want to do. Live the good life because you know what? You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so this verse becomes like the magic formula you quote in order to get God on your side to help you do what you really want. So one pastor said, he says, well, listen how silly that is. Imagine you've got two Christian boxes. And both boxers are sitting there before the fight and they're saying, Lord, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. They've got it tattooed on their back. So go out in the boxing ring. Now it's not Boxer A versus Boxer B. It's Jesus versus Jesus. Or what do you do when you've got two Christians applying for the same job position and they're both on their knees? Lord, I can do this. I can do this through Christ who gives me strength. Again, does Jesus get the job or does Jesus? get the job and if one of them fails they could blame Jesus because I thought it is Christ who gives me strength to do this thing that I want and this thing that I need and so my question is, is Paul living his best life now and the answer is no no I've mentioned how he's hungry he's getting beaten he's lonely and yet he has learned happiness he has learned contentment even in that situation and so if you want to memorize this verse please memorize this verse it's an incredible verse but maybe we can apply it like this lord i am struggling because of i am feeling discontent because of i am suffering because of but lord i I want to find contentment in you because i can do this through christ that gives me strength So I think I need to dispel a bit of a false belief about contentment. See, contentment is not that everything is going right in your life, that there are no relational difficulties in the life. There's nothing in your life that is causing you, uh, that, that is a bit of a challenge to you. That is not contentment. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of a content person. What kind of comes to mind immediately is it's like someone sitting on their 20,000 rand couch drinking an expensive glass of wine this beautiful home that's got peaceful lighting and peaceful music and they're overlooking their large sprawling peaceful green uh, garden full of birds and wildlife right and uh, their their kids I mean their kids wash up after every single meal and their kids are not doing anything causing them any concern and and the kids are top of their class when it comes to their grades Um, and their pets I mean their pets they've got indoor pets but they don't shed on the carpet and they don't shed on the couch him and his wife wake up every single morning looking good right and they don't have any leaking plumbing and they don't have any load shedding and so let's say that is the picture of contentment my question is this who are you going to believe the guy who says if you want to be content you need this life or are you going to believe paul who has experienced plenty who has experienced difficulty incredible difficulty and yet he has learned contentment I mean who do you believe has actually figured contentment out you see if we're chasing after the guy and the picture of contentment in our mind person a who nothing is going wrong in their life and they've got everything they have wanting they're wanting that is fiction Because as I I spoke to you about earlier, that person is also looking to the next guy. And that person is also feeling discontent. See, we need to fight for this. We need to fight against this idea that I can only be content when I have everything that I want. And when nothing in my life is going wrong. And we need to start believing believing really believing that i can be content in my current situation you need to start believing that even in your difficult situation right now whatever it is or maybe you are in a time of plenty maybe you are in a time of having what you need but you too even in that situation you can find contentments and i believe that is the biggest decision you're going to make today Is to believe that you can find contentment in your situation through Christ. Through Christ who gives you strength. So what I want to do for a few minutes is just identify two enemies. Probably our two biggest enemies when it comes to contentment. And the first enemy of contentment is comparison. Comparison. Andy Stanley says... There is no win when it comes to comparison. There is no win with comparison. Because comparison fuels discontentment. Now, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with saving. There's nothing wrong with improving if you're content. But if you're working and if you're improving just to compete with the next person who's working to improve to compete with the next person and the next person doesn't even know that you are competing with them if you are doing that and if you're being driven by this comparison and if that's what motivates you in the morning you will not in fact you will never be content Let me give you an example of how this works. So maybe you've had the situation where you're on a cell phone contract, for those of you who are, you get to the point where you realize in a few months time, I'm gonna get the new phone. And so you're just waiting and you're waiting that out and you get to the point where you get the new phone, you sign up the new two year contract, you've got the new phone in front of you, Oh, and and you love it. It looks good. It feels good. The battery lasts the whole day. It does everything you want it to do and more, and you are content. But then a month later, they come out with a newer, new phone. They upgrade the upgrade, and suddenly the phone that you were happy with for a few days, you are less happy with. Now maybe iPhones phones are not your thing, but this is true when it comes to jobs. This is true when it comes to sports. This is true when it comes to things. This is true when it comes to kids. This is true when it comes to where we live and what we have. And all of this drives discontentment. This is especially true, and I've seen it in myself, and I've seen it in our conversations, where what I'm comparing myself to is not even a real person. But I'm watching a movie or a TV program and there's something in me that says, oh, I want their life. I want their marriage. I want their situation. Now I'm going to say something that is so obvious, but let me remind you that those people do not exist. Even the actors who are playing those people's lives do not have those people's lives. In other words, we are being fueled by our comparison to people who are not even real. For that reason, we grow in discontentment. I love this verse, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 6, which says, Better one hand with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. Better is one hand. Better to have less and have contentment and tranquility that to have two hands I've got more I've got more things but also to have the responsibility and the challenge that comes with the more and also the chasing after the wind. see when we are fueled by our comparison when we are trying to work to be like the next guy and to have the next thing and to be like these fictional movie characters what we discover and Solomon, who wrote these words, discovered we are actually chasing after nothing. We are trying to catch something that does not exist. It's a chasing after the wind. Better one hand with tranquility and peace and contentment than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. So comparison is the first enemy of contentment. The second dangerous enemy of contentment is misplaced identity. Misplaced Identity, and guys let me tell you this is so subtle, this is so subtle, but misplaced identity happens when I start to believe I will be more lovable, I will be more acceptable, I will be more respectable to my friends, to myself, to my family, to my colleagues, even to God. I will be those things when I have dot dot dot. When I have more power, when I have a nicer car, when I have a nicer home and we start to believe that when we get those things, then I will have the admiration of others. This also works itself out in that when I do have those things, I start to believe that I am only acceptable, that I am only lovable that, and I am only respectable because of my things or we start to believe I'm less. I'm less of a man. I'm less of a woman. I'm less of a person. I'm less respectable and less lovable and less acceptable because I don't have these things. And that is the enemy of misplaced identity. So how do we combat this? Well, this is honestly easier said than done. But for Paul the answer was always and will always be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You see, for Paul, instead of his comparison fueling his discontentments, he found his contentments in Christ in Christ but not just this idea but actually knowing Christ having a relationship with Christ being saturated by the power and the presence and the relationship and the love of Christ and secondly instead of finding his identity in Christ he received his identity from Christ, and so he knew he was loved and affirmed and accepted and not rejected. And it had nothing to do with his circumstances, it had nothing to do with his personality, it had nothing to do with his sense of humor or his looks or his body or his things. But he knew he had it all in Christ, and he knew it. He really, really knew it. This allowed him to be content in all circumstances, even in extremely difficult circumstances. He says in philippians 3 verses 4b he says if anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh i have more now what he means by that and where he's about to go with this he says if anyone has reason to believe That they can be confident in their things, their stuff that is outside of them. In his case, I'm not going to read the next few verses. But in his case, reasons for confidence, reasons for feeling secure in external things. In this culture, we're all religiously orientated. It is all about living this religious life. That kind of got you up into the higher echelons of society. That's what got you respect in their particular culture. And so Paul says, when it comes to all of that religious stuff, when it comes to pedigree, man, I've got it all. Now, maybe that's not what really matters to you. So Paul could be saying to you, well, if anyone has any reasons to be confident in their wealth and their looks, says, well, I, I, I've got more. I've got more. And we can always imagine that someone's got more. Either way, he gets to verse 8 and he says, Well, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing, of really knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. But I consider them rubbish. In fact, in Greek it's I consider them dung. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ." Now, what he's not saying is that his pedigree or some of the things he had achieved are are bad. He's not saying that having some things in our life, some things that we enjoy are bad. But what he is saying, he says, compared to knowing Christ, really knowing Christ. He says, once I've been saturated by His love, once I've come to know what it means to be loved by Him and secure in Him and to trust in Him fully and to have Him meet my needs and strengthen me, once I've experienced that, once I've been saturated by His presence and His power, everything else, it's not even a comparison. He's not saying, well, here's nice things and Jesus is slightly better. He is saying, listen, compared to Jesus... The gap is so big, it's like these things are trash. And so let me humbly say, if that is not true of your life, and I'm even speaking to you if you're a Christian, if you're struggling to say that here are the things that I like, but I really struggle to like Jesus more, or maybe He's slightly better than these things, I don't say this to make anyone feel bad, because this is something that I am journeying with deeply all the time. But let me say this, maybe there's more of Christ to know. Maybe the limits of knowing Christ can get higher. Maybe there's more of Him to experience. Maybe there's more of His love to be received. And maybe we too can start finding that level of contentment even in our circumstances because of Christ who strengthens me. I want to end off with a story some of you may know of a a woman who names Corrie Ten Boom. And um, she was at the time of of the the, kind of the Nazi regime. Uh, She was a Dutch Christian and her and her father used to help Jews who were escaping the Nazi prisoner of war camps. There came a time where her and her father were captured and they too were in those very same camps so so they saw and experienced the suffering they too saw and experienced such evil they too were surrounded by death the time came where she was released and she continued to help rehabilitate uh, these people who were coming out of such intense pain and suffering pain and suffering that she could identify with and she had experienced And she says these powerful words, which I'm going to give to you now. But she doesn't say them because they just sound so amazing. She doesn't say them because they have this kind of rhetorical impact. She doesn't say them because they make a good meme or a good t-shirt or a good bumper sticker. She says these words because she's lived them. And she's discovered the powerful truth of these words. She says, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know how those words hits you. But you may never know that Jesus is all you need. And so Jesus is all you have. Charles Spurgeon, he says something similar. He says, if Christ were only a cistern, we might soon exhaust his fullness. But who can drain a fountain? We can never fully exhaust the degree to which we can know Christ and enjoy Him and be strengthened by Him and therefore find contentment in Him. And so, my last question to you is, can you find contentment in your current situation? And the answer is yes, through Christ who gives you strength. Now, I know that what's going to happen right now is that In order to find contentment in Christ, you are going to have to let your heart let go of comparison. You are going to have to allow your heart to let go of finding your identity in these things you have or these things you need to have, whether they be things or even positions or roles we play in this life. And it's painful because we have for so long believed the lie that in order for me to be happy, I need that. In order for me to be happy, I need the next thing or I need that person's life. Haven't you realized yet that that hasn't led you to contentment? So we need to allow our hearts to let go of those things and start actually looking to Jesus for contentment because it is only through Him who gives you strength. And that is a step of faith that I'm going to be calling you to do today. So I want to pray for you, but I want to invite you to pray with me in this. So Father, I pray that our hearts would begin to yearn for true contentment in Your Son, Jesus. I pray that we would start to truly believe that I will not find contentment and I will not find identity in anything apart from you. And that I would choose right now in this moment to believe that Jesus, it is in you, it is in you, it is in knowing you, experiencing you, that I can truly find happiness and contentment. So Father, I pray that even now you would lead us by your Holy Spirit, just highlighting in our hearts, where is it? That we've been looking for contentment apart from you. Lord, we know that we can enjoy the good things that you give us. But Father God, sometimes we look at the gift. And now you're asking us to look at the giver. And Father, even where there seems to be an absence of gift, we still look to the giver. Who gives? But he gives himself to us. So help us identify where we have believed The lie that I can find happiness and contentment in anything apart from you. Father, help us to choose to let go of that. Help us to trust you. Help us to truly risk believing that even in my current circumstance, I can find joy and peace and comfort and identity and love and happiness and contentment in you jesus and i pray that as we draw near to you we will discover you drawing near to us and we will discover the truth of these powerful words of your word the truth of your presence the truth of joy in you we pray this in jesus name amen thanks for joining us this week for the second message in our new series